This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Everything starts with a thought, a feeling, a dream. Valeria Tellez interviews Joanna Derbalowski, the author of The Transformation Promise, a book about love, healing, and the flow of life. Joanna Derbalowski, best-selling author of The Transformation Promise and the recently published workbook, 28 Days to Love, Joy, and Prosperity, has helped clients worldwide with life's major changes and transformations. From identifying long-past incidents that can be the source of current major depression or health issues, to dealing with career changes, finding and sustaining fulfilling relationships, to the truly ultimate transformation at the end of life. Joanna, the developer of the Quantum Heart Field Experience, is a recognized metaphysical teacher, spiritual counselor, and has been on the forefront of healing and transformation. In addition to her primary work, she is an ordained minister with the International Metaphysical Ministries, hypnotherapy and matrix energetics practitioner, past life regression and timeline therapist, Reiki master, and life coach. Joanna has worked for more than 25 years in the field of metaphysics, has a private practice, conducts seminars in the U.S. and Europe, and teaches at the ARE Edgar Casey Center in New York City. Meet Joanna at quantumheartfield.com. Here is the interview with Joanna Durbalowski. In your own words, who is Johanna Durbalowski? I always find that question really interesting because I ask myself that quite frequently. Right. <laughs> um, of course, there is the name. I'm from Germany. I live in California. I do um, transformational coaching and healing work thing. But then the other side is I don't know who I am or if I'm really anything because everything is possible to express through somebody if they're not holding on to an identity. So I try to stay out of the identity. So when you speak of identity, is that um, biological or psychological? Well, it's both. You can say, you know, I am a mother, then my identity is into that mother, uh, which I did four years full time. <laughs> so th right. at that time, that was my identity, I think. And um, the identity as a woman that puts you opposite everybody that is not a woman. So those are all identities. Or you have the nationality identities from Germany, now I'm in America. So identity is what you believe yourself to be. But then it also locks you in. And that's the part where I'm 
I don't like to make any one of those things an identity. Is it possible to navigate this reality without the attachment to identities? Yeah, I think it's possible. And even at times, I mean, there's a certain identity, of course, it's needed. You need your identification if you get stopped by the police. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) So for those things, the identity to function in the world is necessary for certain things. But in your heart, I think your true identity is that you are the divine source energy. And you can focus on that as your identity, and that can express itself in any way possible. True. When you speak of the uh, divine or this uh, form of identity that is unseen, unknown, um, unseen really, but not unknown, would you call that also consciousness, God? Yeah, it's the ultimate consciousness or, you know, those are words again that then the words make it a little bit more rigid. I think of it as just unborn, uncreated energy. Doesn't have any qualities to it, right, Johanna? Right. So in a way it is if you, in you know, with my teachers, I've learned to deduct if your body is not the same, nothing stays the same here. So if your body is not the same that it was 10 years ago, did your identity, are you not you anymore? No, you're not. If you, right now, people losing their sense of smell. If you don't smell anymore, are you your smell? Is that identity gone? No, it's not. You're still there. So when you take everything away, what is left? That is your source because the body will go, the senses will go, the possessions will go, the relationships will go. (laughs) Everything. (laughs) But what is there, that's what was there, that's what you've always been. So you can call that consciousness, you can call that divine source energy, uh, and different languages have different words for it. But it's really undescribable because if we want to describe it, we're describing it from like our mind. I wonder why some people who claim to be in touch with that, they become more what we call loving and peaceful. So if that consciousness, or the ultimate consciousness, how is that possible? Like why would something like that come as a result? Well, if you're not attached to anything, then you also don't judge anything. If you don't judge anything, then everything is more friendly. An example for me is a very everyday one. You know, I live in Los Angeles. We drive a lot and there's a lot of traffic. And you judge other drivers constantly if they're not driving the way, well, I judge them if I don't, if they're not driving the way I want them to drive. <laughs> right. And then at some point, I realized that when my mother got older, she drove slower because her reaction time was also slower. And then I started just saying to everybody that upset me when I was in a rush, it's not their fault that I'm in a rush. They have whatever they have going on. And I started to think of every driver that annoyed me as my mother. <laughs> I was thinking, I'm Good sure example. she would appreciate that. But <laughs> True. 
Wow. But so all of a sudden, I thought of every driver that annoyed me with an open heart because I thought, oh, wow, this could be my mother. What a beautiful example and a wonderful message. It sounds like the first step to getting touch with consciousness is to gain a deeper sense of responsibility and not blame others or stop judging others. So especially right now with social media, there's a lot of pressure to appear a certain way and to uh, judge other people as how they appear. So we have um, everybody looking Who's going to see me? Who's going to take a picture of me? Where are they going to post it? And there's this enormous amount of pressure that comes up for people to be seen in a certain way and to not actually be the way they feel that day or the way they might be authentically be that moment. So we're always prepared, but at the same time, being afraid of other people judging us, we also go out and we judge everybody. Right. And that brings me to the topic that we, I think, have discussed briefly the last time we talked, self-love. Would you say that that can become another step to, I call it freedom, really? Would you say that that is a good step, or well, the first step even, to freedom? Well, you can't love anybody else more than you love yourself. It's an, it's impossible. So you, if you want to love everybody else, you're going to have to first love and accept yourself. So yes, it's the most important step if you want to get out there. And also, we all have that thing. If you point a finger at somebody, three fingers are pointing back. So if you judge somebody, what you're really doing, you're constantly judging yourself. I really feel like we women have more pressure of that kind of pressure to hold on to identities and illusions. Would you say the same thing, Johanna, or not really? I think traditionally it is that way, but I think it's now also, it's also affecting men, especially young men. Yeah, also, and I think that also has to do with the social media, that constantly being on and being seen. So the girls want to be seen with the guy that's hot, not like it used to be, where it's only like the candy is the <laughs> nice woman on a guy's arm. <laughs> yeah, right. But it is changing a little bit as the pressure is all around. But I think we're missing the point with all that because we should really be looking at what's in everybody's heart instead of how fit are they, what have they accomplished? How much money do they have? I mean, those are boring things and they're going to go. True. They're not lasting things. So how do we balance this? Um, loving ourselves and loving others at the same time? Well, the, the selfishness and self-love are two totally different things. When you really love yourself, then you also love everybody else. <sighs> So when you truly accept yourself, you're also more accepting of everybody else. And then you can't, you open your heart. When you open your heart, it's very hard to be selfish. So selfishness and arrogance usually come from a low self-love. It's a sign of low self-love. 
so there it's actually an indicator <laughs> that that person does not love themselves very much when we are in that space of not loving ourselves and of being judgmental and the self-hatred and all what are we afraid of being rejected number one because we don't love ourselves enough so it matters what other people think <laughs> so, but all these are things on the outside i mean eventually i think just the awareness that the body's going to go the money's going to go the relationships are going to go just know that none of these things are real they're temporary phenomena so what you have is yourself so be your own best friend stand behind you mm. take care of yourself i do ask the question more often than not these days the difference between joy and happiness do you see any differences johanna or not or they are all the same to you in a way well of course these are words again i mean to me yeah, yeah. happiness is uh something that comes and goes easier because something makes you happy you're happy for a moment then it goes and you're back to wherever you were before but to me the word joy implies more of a deeper permanent thing well, that's not connected to anything that is external. Would you say that too? Well, things external things can definitely also bring you joy for a moment, but I think it just to me the word means it's more lasting. Oh, just lasting, right. You sent me a phrase. I have two phrases here actually, interesting ones. You say the present moment, the cure for everything. And then you also wrote, your presence is required in the present. So talk to me about what is to be in the present moment. What does it feel like and what is like and how is healing different from cure? If you are doing one thing and you're really focused on one thing, you're achieving a lot more because you're not thinking about, oh, I have to go wash the dishes and, oh, I have to go pick up this person and, oh, I forgot to go to the cleaners. <laughs> so if you have all this going on in your mind, you're not going to be as effective as if you're not thinking of anything else but to solve whatever is right in front of you. But we tend to go through life thinking about the past and the future, past and the future, and we're super busy with that in all situations. So what we have left for actually the thing that we're doing at that moment is very little. We have very little of our energy goes into that moment. So we are, that goes to that, your presence is required in the present moment. Because if you wanna be really efficient or really true to yourself, you need to forget about all the other things and just focus what shows up when it's there and deal with that one thing. And the same, I said the present moment or your presence in the present moment is cured to anything. Because if you now, let's say you don't feel well, and you immediately think about the past. Have I done this before? Has somebody else felt this before? And then you go to the future. What happened to them? Will that happen to me? 
so we go into the next step would be to go on to WebMD <laughs> and really drive ourselves crazy <laughs> so about all the things that could happen that had happened to other people. So all those things are in the past and in the future. We take all the information from the past and we project everything into the future. Now, if I'm working on healing myself or doing something, the, all the possibilities are already taken up. There's nothing left because it's, I've given it out to the past and future. So even to get my own body to focus on fighting whatever I'm feeling or to release stuff, there's very little to work with. But if we are not going to the past and the future and we stay in the present with our full presence, then we have a lot of energy to work with. True. That difference between healing and cure, do you see anything that separates healing from cure? Well, that's a word thing again. I think a cure is if you have something that you know this will cure that. And healing is the process of healing anything. So a cure is means you have the answer, like you have the cure for this type of cancer. It's a sad thing. And healing is the process of evolving and healing and getting better. So the idea is to focus our energy and attention to what's happening now. So we are not all over the place. Talk to me about the practices that could help us to achieve this state of being. Well, I don't recall exactly right now who said that, but somebody very wise said that nobody has ever experienced the future they envisioned. Because we don't. We think about it a thousand times, but it always happens differently. Because in life, there's very little of our control. There's, you can call it like God's will, fate, destiny, um, there's other people involved with their fate and destiny and interaction thereof. So there's a lot of factors that go into each moment. And when we really think about it, we know we have no control. Now, I don't know about anybody else, but nothing in my life ever happened the way I thought it would. And also the good or bad things that happened in my life never happened the way I thought they would. <laughs> right, either. Yes. So there is a, a limiting thing that you said on it by saying like, oh, I envision it that way and I want it this way and I want And You leave out, first of all, all the possibilities of how it can happen differently and even better maybe. And then on the other hand, you also leave out well, you, you give out your energy to all this, you know, I want to be successful in my profession, I want to do this and this and this and this. And you don't, there are professions that you maybe have never heard about that you might end up in being even more successful. You lock yourself in to this little picture of your limited mind yeah. instead of just saying yes to the moment. Hmm. Wow. And I find it to be a challenging practice because especially moments of um, in challenging moments. So it's even more difficult to be present when we are going through pain, especially physical pain. 
is that has been your experience too, Johanna? And if it is, what did you do to go back to presence? Well, it's very difficult for us. I mean, my mind goes a thousand miles a minute. <laughs> and I just constantly have to remind it that you can go on, but it's not very important. So I'm not going to listen right now. <laughs> um, that's easier for me than trying to not have my mind run on. Mm. I'm just going to say, okay, you go run your marathon, but I'm not going to listen right <laughs> now. <laughs> right. Is that a form of acceptance? Yeah, I mean, it's it didn't work for me to just quiet it down yeah. forcefully. Yeah. So now that I'm not paying that attention, it's not that active because it doesn't it likes attention. The mind really wants attention. So when you stop giving it attention, it doesn't have to go so wild anymore. <laughs> um, but the thing is, you figure out what works for you. We are all different and different things. Some people are very good at meditating for hours a day. I'm not that good at that. But I'm good at walking and focusing on my steps and the trees and the flowers that I pass. So you figure out what is it for you that quiets down this enormous energy pull. And then you asked about pain. So pain is an attention hogger. Yeah, right. So it's best to study these things before you're in pain. <laughs> yes, yes I when agree. you're in pain, <laughs> it's very hard. Yeah, right. It's very hard to pull yourself yeah. it, it, out of out of pain at all. So my advice would be get really solid on your practice and get really solid on your focus before you encounter anything with a lot of pain. Yeah. So it is almost like a preparation uh, type of thing. And I agree. I heard that in some cultures they begin at a very young age. Um, even reflecting on death and having these uh, mindfulness practices because they know that challenges will come. <laughs> so they are prepared when, they, when that time finally arrives. So I'm wondering who is the one who is paying attention to what's happening in the mental world? Well, I think just when you practice just focusing on your breath, going in and out, I mean, that that's also one that I use or just focusing on that you are just that energy or you just sky, the clouds are going back and forth and some are stormy and some are not, but the sky is unaffected by it. And so I try to constantly remind myself to identify with that. Another really good example that comes from um, uh, Papa G's teaching is to yeah. view yourself like the movie screen yeah. you know on the movie screen you can see a war movie a slasher movie a horror <laughs> movie a romance movie right. That's true. blood is spilled horrible things happen <laughs> good things happen <laughs> but when the movie is done the screen <laughs> is just the screen so we are that screen <laughs> and these things happen around us and through us and on us the more you can pull your focus onto being just that screen, the more peaceful you are, right. the more present you are, because you're not torn by everything that comes at you. 
So do you think it's possible to be the screen all the time? Or at times we uphold in that direction of becoming something that appears? Mm, no, I, I think we are the screen all the time, but sometimes we forget. <laughs> oh, we just forget. Right, right, right. But we cannot, our essence remains the same. We are that. There's nothing. We're not becoming anything. We are everything. So we just need to remember it. So this dance, this movement of remembering and forgetting, it's also part of what we call life. Yeah, I mean, life is all the things that happen, but we should not ever forget that. <laughs> so there's a price to the pay, idea right, is to not forget that. <laughs> Talk to me about the purpose of writing the book, The Transformation Promise, a book about love, healing, and the flow of life. I think a big part of any any kind of growth or anything is to know where you are so the a large part of the book focuses on getting to know yourself and as much as possible in an objective way yeah. because obviously we are the subject so it's never completely objective <laughs> right, but right. <laughs> there are ways to get into that so it really teaches you to look at to get to know yourself and know where you're at and the other aspect of it is that everything always changes. So transformation is a promise because we cannot stay the same from moment to moment. But the flow is that energy that we actually are. But we are right now in the body, which is a structure, or we function in our infrastructure. But the structures are not who we are. So when we can see that, when we begin to see that and we get to notice what is our structure and what is it made out of and everything, then it's not so dense anymore and it can actually shift easier. True. This is your newest book, um, right, Johanna? The 28 Days to Love, Joy and Prosperity, a workbook. Yeah, and it is exactly what it is. It's a workbook. So it's exercises that are done on a daily basis for 28 days. And it's going to help you to really focus and implement wherever you are right now. So from there to go to the next step. So it could be your goals that you have, like New Year's resolutions or something like that, and you want help not letting them go within the first couple of weeks and slacking back to your old ways. So you can use the book for that. But you can also use the book to learn to actually focus your mind a couple of times every day and just focus yourself and reset to where you want to be and where you where you want to go. So you you become you come into the habit of centering yourself and saying, okay, this is where I am right now. This is my desire. This is where I want to go. Or I just want to be in that peace of mind. So you can use it for, for any anything that you want. It'll work with all those things. And it'll help you get where you want to go. So personally, I, I do it three times a year. 
as like the whole book where I really make myself do it morning and evening. Mm -hmm. I'm not just <laughs> trying to give it to other people to do. <laughs> I, I try it on myself and it always really works. My last question to you is a phrase that you have in this book, The 28 Days to Love, Joy and Prosperity. You say, think of life as a garden. So talk to me about that phrase. Well, if you had a garden or a farm, you would plant what you want to harvest. Right. So it's always a good idea to plant the thoughts and the actions that actually bring you what you want to harvest. Right. Does it mean if you plant these flowers, you're guaranteed the harvest? No, because the universe brings you rainstorm, floods, <laughs> and all those things, sure. no matter what you do. <laughs> Yeah. There's always challenges and there's always things that'll push the envelope coming at us. Right. And that's a good thing because it'll help us grow and it help us also see that we shouldn't be too attached because things are temporary. Right. But we should still have that mindset of, you know, if I want to have a really peaceful, loving environment that to live in, then I need to plan peaceful, loving environment. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very much comes to me as common sense, but it's a practice at the same time. Uh, what yeah, I you, you know, Gandhi said it the best possible way, you know, be the change you want to see in the world. Right, right. Yeah. Because that's the only way you're going to see it. Thank you so much for your wisdom. Again, sharing your wisdom today and your beautiful presence, the work that you do and everything in between. Thank you, Johanna. Well, thank you for being here with me today. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? The, the best way is my website, quantumheartfield.com. And it has all the information. The books are on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles and other bookstores. But um, that information is also on the website. So quantumheartfield.com. Wonderful. I'll have the link also posted on your podcast profile. Thank you so much again. And we'll talk soon. Thank you. It's always an honor speaking with you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Joanna Derbalowski and her work, please visit quantumheartfield.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.